This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome to Magpies Unrestricted. Hello ladies and gents and welcome to Magpies Unrestricted, where we'll be talking all things Newcastle United. As ever, I'm your host Chris Simpson and joining me as always is Cara Thistlethwaite. Hello. And yet again we're joining you after Newcastle have failed to get their first win of the season. But we have got some, well we have a point on the board Mm. after a 2-2 draw with Southampton. I'm very frustrated with the way this one played out. Yeah... Yeah, I mean, we'll get into what I think probably one of the main weaknesses is at, at this point. I say one of them, but but we'll, we'll get onto that later. Um, yeah, it kind of set you up, you know, in the 92nd minute, thinking that Newcastle were going to win this one with um, so Maximum's last-minute goal. Um, but then, obviously, the cells gave away that penalty. And I do think it was a penalty. I'm not saying there was anything malicious in there by the cells, but it definitely caught him quite badly on the foot. Could have gone horrible. Uh, but, yeah, so it's just that they've won, they'd won won 8-0 in the last League Cup midweek, Southampton. So they're obviously on, on the ball anyway. And they came back from behind both times. I think they played well. I think Newcastle could have maybe made a bit more of their chances. That's true for the uh, Burnley game as well. But, I mean, yeah, there was a goal by Wilson and, and Sam Maximum with the assist from Murphy again. So the three that we always talk about, it's good to see that they're still consistent. But, yeah, I mean, is it early days to start worrying that most of your key players are fit and so far they've only managed to get one point in the first three games? Is is it time to worry? Because I know lots of other Newcastle supporters are already in discussions about we're going to get relegated this year. So what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, as you said, I know it's early days, so we shouldn't be getting too carried away. But And we know what's happening with the goalkeepers, but when we had Will, uh, Wilson, Willock, Sam Maximan, Almiron, when all, we've had all these players available in the first few games. I mean, obviously Willock wasn't able to play the first game, but when we've had these players fit and available and we've still not managed to get a win yet three games in, I mean... Yeah, not super easy games, but we, you know, we've not played any massive teams either. You can't it, put this all down to bad luck. It, can it, you? It, it's it, it is a bit worrying, and while I don't think we've had much luck, it's, it's as you say, it's not all down to that. It's down to the defending. It's down to, in some cases, you know, I mean, well, obviously, last week against Aston Villa was. Yeah, we were a bit unlucky, I think, with a couple of refereeing decisions, but also we really didn't play very well and probably didn't deserve anything from the game based on our actual performance. So I think we were a bit better this time, but yeah, it's so frustrating to have twice gone ahead and not to see it out. I mean, especially after what happened against West Ham, where again, we twice went ahead and then, I mean, obviously ultimately ended up losing that one where... Whereas we have got a point on the board now, so hey, we're above Arsenal if nothing else. But 
Yeah, I mean, I, it's frustrating. Yeah, and we've talked about injuries before, obviously in the goalkeeping position, and the first goal that Southampton scored against you was, was a lucky, but you could also put it down to we're not just being able to find the correct angle to hit it out at because as soon as you saved the first goal, the rebound then hit the player sliding in and bounced off his face back into the goal. And we saw something similar with um, the, the penalties against Burnley. It went the right way, but it just didn't seem like a convincing jump. Is that going to be something that's going to come back and bite you? Is the defence going to be even more jittery because they've got the third-choice goalkeeper? Um, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I agree. I think I think Woodman could have done a bit better with Southampton's first goal. I'm still a bit loath to criticise him just yet. Um, I don't. I don't want to. You know. I mean, obviously, look, we've conceded what eight goals now in three Premier League games. It's not a good record, but for the most part, I don't think he's to blame for that. Um, and I, I do want to keep giving him a chance. But yeah, w- w- the fact that obviously it's not like we can. We've got the any alternatives at the moment with Darlow and Dubravka both both being out, it is a bit of an area of concern. And as you say, because he's not the most experienced, which is probably factoring in a little bit as well, as you say, maybe having a bit of an impact on the defence. And then, yeah, I mean, going forward, I mean, as you say, yeah, you know, another, some more goals for some key players and Murphy with the assist as well. So again, you know, decent, Return from him in three games with a goal and an assist. You know, that's that's not bad going, but we need to start being able to kill games off when we go in front. I think the thing is, yes, you've played some teams that aren't the weakest in the whole of the Premier League, but they're also not the elite. And, and exactly. that's Yeah, and, and that sounds like really snobbish, but let's be honest, Southampton, they're a decent team. You would think Newcastle should be beating them. Same with Burnley. I know it wasn't in the Premier League, but it's the same story. And, you know, you've got, New, you've got Newcastle, obviously you've got Newcastle, but you've got Man United coming up next with Ronaldo. I mean, what what scoreline are we going to be looking at? I say next week, you know, after the international break, but that's your next match. I mean, yeah, that's yeah, going to um, be a squeaky bum time. Well, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, we'll, we'll get onto that one um, in a little while, but yeah, exactly. It, it, it makes it even more frustrating that we weren't able to take three points in this game, given that, let's face it, that's almost certainly going to be a defeat and probably a heavy one at that, as, as we'll, you know, I said, discuss uh, in, a, in a short while. Um, and yeah, just uh, last on, a couple of last things on, on this uh, Southampton game. I think you're right. I think in the cold light of day, as frustrating as it is, I think it probably was a penalty, as you say. Genuine attempt by Jamal Ocells to win the ball. It certainly wasn't a cynical challenge, but and he had to make it, you know, last gasp challenge. But I think when you look at the replay, he, he, he certainly clips Armstrong, and I don't think he gets any contact on the ball. So, as I say, it's, it's super frustrating for that to happen in the literally the last minute of the game after thinking we'd had a last-minute winner ourselves. Um, and then I think the other thing as well, I mean, well, 
it was a pretty dire first half, I think, in against Southampton. And there were notably chants of, you know, we want Brucey out from a lot of fans at St. James's Park, uh, which I think is to be expected. I mean, we all know what the vast majority of, of us fans feel about Steve Bruce. And, well, to be honest, I think a lot, a lot of the fans are probably a lot harsher on him than even I am. And I know I'm fairly critical of him myself. Um, and I, th- I think what we should really see, I mean, look, if the club aren't going to get rid of him, and let's face it, they're not going to. And I mean, I think we know why, and that's because, as we've discussed on here before, because Steve Bruce is basically a bit of a yes man for Mike Ashley. He's not going to criticise him. He's not going to rub him up the wrong way in the way Rafa did. He's not going to, you know, make a kick up a fuss about transfers and wanting some funds and all the rest of it. I think that's the thing. He's not the type to rile the fans up against the ownership, unlike Benitez, who had the full support of the fan base. He isn't a power player in any shape or form, is this little Brucey. So, yeah. Exactly. But, you know, if the club aren't going to sack him, and I said, you know, they're clearly not going to. I mean, if they, if they didn't sack him after two wins in 19 games in the middle of last season, oh, they're not gonna sack it's going to take a lot uh, for them to be willing to sack him this time around as well. And But, you know, if, if that's not going to happen, then they might as well at least start backing him. Explain to us fans why they're sticking with him. I said, we actually know the real reasons, but at least give us some semblance of why they might stick with him for footballing reasons, what the plan, if anything, is with him and, and for the team and for the club. You know, maybe give him a bit more to work with in the transfer market. And, and again, we'll, we'll, we're going to talk a lot more about the transfer window next week during the international break because it's otherwise going to be quite a light podcast. And you want does the transfer market going to bulk it out for Newcastle? <laughs> Probably not, but at time of recording, there is still just over a day left in the transfer window. I wouldn't hold your breath on any late arrivals, but that's something that we can discuss in next week's pod. Uh, if if and when anything happens, and if it doesn't, then that'll be another topic of discussion. But yeah, you know, give give us something to work with. Do you know what I mean? Um, but. Yeah, just while we're reflecting on the other games, so similarly frustrating in a slightly different way was Newcastle out of the League Cup already in August. Yeah, well, let's just ignore the fact they went to penalties. My God. Was it just all Newcastle? And I mean, we just, had so many chances to win. There was just nothing. I mean, how how some of those, I don't know, I don't understand how they didn't go in. I just don't. Or, or how they were missed. Or how they weren't on target. And that's just a bit of a sad indictment, really. I mean, you made Burnley look like a peewee school <laughs> playing football, and yet Newcastle themselves did not manage to score at all. And yet it might not have been the strongest team. Did start to bring out your big hitters later in the match. But even then, couldn't get anything. Yeah, and, um, you know, well, obviously we'll have the FA Cup to come in, in January, but, you know, it's it's looking like yet another season and, yet another season without much of a cup run, unless we do happen to uh, cause any surprises in the FA Cup, and I think it would be a pretty massive surprise. Um, I mean, look, obviously, you know, we made lots of chances. We attacked 
we were all over them for pretty much the entire game. Steve Bruce can't be on the pitch and put the chances in himself, but yeah, it's a frustrating one. And I found this stat, which I think really sums up Newcastle in the Cups at the moment. Uh, it's now been seven years since we actually last beat Premier League opposition in a cup competition. I mean, that that's appalling. <laughs> and I think in papers over the cracks, when we did have our half-decent FA Cup run the other year, and I say half-decent, I think we got to the quarterfinals, but by Newcastle standards under Mike Ashley, that is half-decent. But again, it, to paper over some cracks, we only got there because we kept playing lower league opposition, and even then we scraped through a couple of times. Yeah, I mean, if you can't win in the League Cup, when it, it means something. <coughs> sorry, it's something in my throat there. Yeah, so if you, can't, if you can't win in the Premier League or the League Cup against the Premier League competition, at this point in time, we're now struggling to find positives about it. I mean, the only the only advantage you have now of being out of the League Cup at this early stage is to take advantage of the free schedule for the next few months. However, that's a punt, isn't it? That's trying desperately to find a silver lining. There's absolutely no guarantee that anything's going to work. And from what we've seen from last season and the starting of this season, I don't see it's going to make any real difference. We can hope. But that seems to be all that Newcastle fans seem to be able to do at the moment. Yeah, it's just it's grasping at straws and we'll have a slightly less congested fixture schedule than some of our rivals for the next few months. But when you're not in Europe, the League Cup doesn't exactly really clog up the schedule, to be honest. It's only till if you get to the semi-finals and you've got that double-legged semi in January that it's really an issue if you're not in Europe. So it doesn't really give us much of an advantage. But yeah, the only way that it's worth it is if we can, between sort of now and when the FA Cup starts in January, if we can really try and pile some points on the board. And, well, A, I'm not confident we're going to do that because I'm a Newcastle fan. And B, even if we do, it's not necessarily because we have the odd midweek free because, as I say, the League Cup doesn't really take up that much of your time anyway. You know, when you when you're not also having to juggle, you know, Europa League or Champions League as well. So disappointing yeah. to say the least. Yeah, and then moving on to the news again, no signings and no loans. Transfer window shuts on Tuesday, eleven PM. Obviously we'll discuss it more next week, uh, during the international break. However, as we've already said, I ain't counting my chickens. Um and yeah, Matty Longstaff going on loan to Aberdeen for the season. I mean, Aberdeen. I'm, I'm sorry, Aberdeenians. <laughs> but they could have found a championship team or even a Premier League team to send them out on loan to. It just seems a waste. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't be that harsh on them. There's still a Scottish Premiership side. What I will say is, obviously, a Premier League side would have obviously been ideal to get Premier League experience. And Scottish football fans won't thank me for saying this, should any of them be listening. I think probably the Championship would also have been better experience for him than the Scottish Premier League, especially since we might be playing there next season. Um, but it will, or it should, give him plenty of game time, which is the main thing. I mean, we certainly know he wasn't going to get any at St James's Park this season. Uh, I mean, 
Steve Bruce only gave him five appearances in the whole of last season. Obviously, a player of his age, it is crucial that he is getting first-team football. And he did start their game on Sunday with Ross County. So, yeah, Wong may continue to get starting berth there because we need him to get some experience because at the moment he's not going to get it with us. So, yeah, I'm not going to be so harsh on Aberdeen. It's not like he's at a League Two side or something, but... You know, we just I just hope it's worth it in terms of him getting plenty of uh plenty of minutes and getting some confidence back because I imagine after breaking into the team and everything looked nice and rosy and then for, for him to then essentially just be unceremoniously dropped again for the most part, probably didn't do his confidence any favours. So hopefully he can maybe have a good season with Aberdeen and, and build some of that back up again. Yeah, um, on a slightly lighter night, light, lighter night, lighter note. Um, Cardano seems to be trying to sell a brand new PS5 on Twitter for £440. So, you know, scalpers are going to be there before this goes out. Sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, this was one we actually missed uh, last week. Oh, but... it's definitely gone. Why are we talking about this now? Old news. <laughs> uh, because it was otherwise a quite a light news week, and I thought it would be uh, just a bit of nice light relief, even though essentially... He's presumably doing because it's clearly just yet another symptom of Mike Ashley just forcing the players to have to. Yeah, they have to. They've got to flog consoles to uh, yeah. <laughs> supplement their wages. No, it's just, honestly, just such a random story. Only, only Newcastle. I feel like, and I mean, to be honest, given that he's been recovering from COVID, I mean, you'd think he might want a PS5, so he's got something to do while he's recovering. But, um, but there you go. All right, so back to the Newcastle all-time 11. So we're going to be looking at centre-backs today. And we've got Bobby Moncour and Philippe Albert. Yep, so I've gone... Well, <laughs> I was going to say I've got one historical and one modern, but... Uh, no, they're both, they're both same. Then when you remember that the 90s was like the better part of 30 years ago now, it's quite terrifying, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so Bobby Moncour... Uh, as you may or may not be familiar, one of Newcastle's all-time best defenders. Spent 12 years at the club between 62 and 74. It's, it's strange, actually, to be including a player in our all-time 11 who then actually did go on to play for Sunderland uh, for not quite as long as he played for Newcastle. But... He's also the last Newcastle captain to lift silverware at the club. So when we're saying things are ancient, 74... Was the, well, when, when was the last time he actually lifted the silverware? Well, the trophy was 69. 69, yeah. Yeah, so not only, yeah, so obviously he was, he was a commanding centre back. He made 361 appearances for the club, and as you said, he was Newcastle captain as well, and the last one to actually win a trophy, not counting Scott Parker having to sheepishly lift uh, the Intertoto Cup, which was actually a plate, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> Which was a bit of a joke competition, but that led us into the UEFA Cup uh, in like something like 2006, uh, which doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he scored. I mean, aside from from the fact that he was a great Newcastle captain and a great just general servant at centre back, really sort of commanding presence at the back. It's also worth remembering remembering him because he scored ten goals for the club, and three of them. You have to forgive my pronunciation here because uh, I, my Hungarian is not the best. Zeti Dosor. 
I'm, I'm going to go with Ushpesti Dosa. Also, I've said Hungarian. They might be Czech. I can't remember. Anyway, uh, but he scored three of his ten Newcastle should, goals. Should yeah, probably. I did, and I forgot. <laughs> and it's just an oversight on my part. But back when the cup finals used to be over two legs, he scored three of his ten goals for the club in those two legs. Now, this was in the Intercity's Fairs Cup final. Now, if, you, well, if you're a Newcastle fan, then you are probably familiar with that competition since it is the last major trophy that we won. If you're not, and you're probably wondering what the hell is the Intercity's Fairs Cup... It it, sounds, I'm sorry, it just sounds like a food market. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is actually what the competition that actually became the UEFA Cup and then now, as we know it, the Europa League. So actually, quite a major trophy back in its day. Uh, and as I say, this was when the finals were played over two legs. He scored the first two goals in the first leg at St. James's Park to help us to a 3-0 win. And then after Ujpesti, <laughs> he says tentatively, after they actually pulled back two goals in the first half of the second leg, so to really sort of put our victory in jeopardy, he literally then scored in the first minute of the second half to kind of kill them off. And we ended up actually winning that match 3-2 and we won the final 6-2 on aggregate. So he's a player who not only was a fantastic centre-back and a fantastic defender, but he's also a player who had, you know, who played a really significant role in Newcastle's history. And I think that deserved uh, some recognition. So I've got him in there. And then as a bit of a contrast between Bobby Ronker, who's the... As I say, he's the sort of the solid, commanding, defensive centre-back. Uh, I've decided to partner him in our all-time 11 with one Philippe Albert. Uh, literally, one of the main reasons for this was for his famous log of Kasper Schmeichel. Yes, I will be honest, that is the biggest <laughs> I said, factor. I said Kasper! I meant Peter. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, to be fair, it would, given how old Kasper Schmeichel would have been at the time, it would have been objectively less impressive to love him since I think he was a baby. <laughs> Did he even exist? And he oh, would have, no, he, he would have. He would, have. He, he would but he would literally would have been a toddler. He's so. like five, wasn't he? <laughs> um, yes, at most he would have been about five years old. But yes, I'm not going to lie, listeners. The lob against Schmeichel is a huge factor in this, and I mean, honestly, one of my all-time favourite Newcastle goals, and I'm sure you've probably seen it, but this, of course, was when, during the entertainers' era, obviously, Philippe Albert was a key part of that entertainers' team. It was when we thrashed Man United 5-0 at St James's Park, and, yeah, Albert, a centre-back lobbing Peter Schmeichel, uh, this is a Peter Schmeichel in his absolute prime, in a 5-0 Newcastle win. I mean, obviously that could just never happen now. Also because Peter Schmeichel has been retired for quite some time. Mm-hmm. But you get what I mean, listeners. Yeah. Only 137 games in Newcastle, scoring 12 goals, so not bad for a uh, defender. especially. In Pretty the, good return, isn't it? Especially in the 90s as well, where defenders were more of like, well, you your brick poo house, really, weren't they? <laughs> um, designed to stop people from moving around in the box, not running forward all the time. And I think that's the thing as well, is I think, yeah, he, he would be a good counterpart to Bobby Monker in this uh, fictional hypothetical team that we've got. Because, you know, Albert, he was, a, you know, he was kind of a bit of an early ball-playing centre-back. You know, he was a cultured player, confident on the ball, 
as we can see, had a bit of an eye for goal. In our hypothetical scenario, Monker can stay back and just make sure he can keep everyone out. He's the brick wall. Albert's the defender who brings the ball out from the back and uh, starts attacks that way. And I think the two of them will actually make a pretty good partnership. Yeah. So, so far for the Newcastle all-time eleven, we've got the manager is Keegan, goalkeeper is Shea Given, we've got defenders Bill McCracken and Fred Hudsworth uh, as our left and right back, and then our centre-backs, we've got Bowen Munker and Philippe Albert. And I think that's shaping up pretty nicely. In the meantime, if you could please give the podcast a like and subscribe and leave us a positive review, that would be absolutely fantastic. And next week we'll have a bit more of a look at uh, the Man United game. Yeah, just purely because physically I don't think you're capable of talking about it right now. We're not going to be looking forward to that too much. (laughs) And we'll add some some midfielders to our uh, all-time 11 as well. Actually, sorry, I do just want to say before we go, big shout-out as well. He didn't quite make it. Big shout-out actually to... Fabrizio Colaccini, who I did consider as well for Newcastle centre-backs, who actually did play in the Mike Ashley era. And look, obviously, we had, he had the wild hair. It often then drew attention if he ever did make a mistake. But what a captain of our club. And at times, what a fantastic defender. Some great memories of him. And yeah, to be fair, if, if he, was pro- he would probably be the most modern player that I would consider actually to put in it, not including... Uh, I guess Tim Krull for the goalkeeper who also gave a bit of a shout out to um, and Ryan Taylor as well. Colaccini, a bit unlucky to miss out but wanted to give him a shout out as well. Until next time, this has been Magpies Unrestricted and I've been your host Chris Simpson. Thanks Cara. No problem. And thank you listeners. Bye. Bye. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts.